You've read the books. You've learned the rules. You've played the games. And so is your mom. Just making sure you're paying attention. Now, it's time for something completely off base. From the same guys who haven't done anything exciting yet are the Paladins of Podcast, Rob and Potato. Listen in as they talk about all things related to pen and paper games, challenge rules, and go off script. This is the high fantasy commentary you didn't ask for, but your mom did. (laughs) This is the Epic Table Audio Show. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Potato's Epic Table Audio Show. Hey, Potato. How are you doing? Not bad, Rob. I'm actually thinking about getting another cat. Yeah, don't do that. Let's talk about some (laughs) pen and paper game stuff. (laughs) Like what? Well, how about adding adult content into your games? Ooh, so like porn or sex? Not just that, man. Adult content isn't just nudity. Oh, okay, okay. Well, uh, what else? Well, I want to talk about, um, I think we should take a look at how popular the game has become. I know that you've mentioned certain books skyrocketing in the aftermarket prices, right? Yeah, yeah, it really has. And we should talk about the pros and cons of PDF versions of these books as well. Uh, Versus actual books? Yeah. Good, and that sounds like it's going to lead into the best practices for physical items on the table too, doesn't it? I'd say so. Awesome. Well, let's go right into the idea of adult content in your games. I think you kind of nailed it right on the head. You said porn and nudity, or porn and sex. Yeah, it's usually what people think about when they hear adult content, you know? Yeah, they do. And I don't mean just porn and nudity and sex in adult content. When you take a look at a lot of fantasy books, especially things in the grimdark genre of fantasy, it's massive amounts of violence it's bad language it's scenarios that are compromising to your main characters a lot of strong moral dilemmas it's not simple choices and when i political things as well i'd imagine yes absolutely and these are essentially concepts that i think a lot of players briefly touch on or a lot of dms lightly include but what about going full send and having an adult oriented game that really dives into that darker side right you know the the night is dark and full of terrors right (laughs) absolutely and i remember when i first started one of my games that i wanted to do not necessarily an adult game just a game that required more of an adult mentality so it wasn't necessarily child friendly it's just darker harsher themes absolutely things that you wouldn't want to expose your children to so not marvel like you said not disney not anything that's that's light-hearted fantasy right let that go right really dark and grimy political intrigue lots of descriptors of visceral material lots of blood guts gore lots of assassinate lots of murder lots of these things and and it's not leaning on horror like the uh strange eons it's not just oh we're going to do a creepypasta campaign no it's just kind of bringing the realities 
into how this magical world should act if it was actually real. Right. And I think a lot of people have the preconception that adult content in your pen and paper or tabletop games is that it has to be sexual in nature. And really, it does not have to be sexual in nature to be adult content. Um, there are times that you're going to hear the bard try to seduce the bar hostess. Right. Or, he he wants to see a pair of those D20s, if you know what I mean. <laughs> right. And, and those kind of things can still be included lightly. It may not be the most family-oriented game, but I'd still consider it PG-13. Okay. What, what kind of things would you really like to include if you were going to make a rated R game? Um, yeah, if I was to run a more dark rated R campaign, it would be it would be a balancing act to invoke that death is right around the corner and you as a player are not safe from it. Just because you're a player you're not going to be handheld. Right. You know, you, you can die just as easy as the peasant down the street. You know, I, I would, I'll definitely enforce more conditions, like diseases and whatnot, mm-hmm. make it harder to save against. Mm-hmm. And in a way, now, this might be a thing that not a lot of people would like, but making it harder for healing classes to be overpowered. Because, oh, we're going to do this kind of campaign. Well, I'm just going to be a cleric then. Like, yeah, well, I guess what? You're going to have some penalties and, you know, you can't use it X amount of times a day like you could before. Something like that people might not like because it feels like I'm debuffing them. But that's a way to balance it. It is. But my question in this in this exact instance, you're describing a a darker world, a tougher setting. Yes. But how do you add actual adult elements into your games it would it would be kind of like what you said uh, a little bit ago about having political intrigue um if you have it centered around that you are some kind of agency hired by uh, a delegate that wants you to be hitmen basically that's definitely a lot different than what other people usually do um let's see uh more more visceral visceral uh definitions um i think if i were to do a game i'll probably lean more onto necromancy so i can really like delve into how gross this decapitated corpse is lumbering at you and stuff like that but it's still it's still very pg-13 in comparison to what people usually would think and that's actually a hard thing for me to figure out because not a lot of people like that version of adult content right and it's it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it to be brutally honest and see this is one of the issues i was trying to have as i was i was attempting to write a blog post about this and i understand what i'm what i'm implying when i'm saying adult content because when you think about other media rated r films are generally uh explosive murderous Uh, foul language and you can bring all of those aspects into the game and really what D D style game what pen and paper fantasy game doesn't have murder hobos i mean essentially you're doing the same exact thing right so really i think the most adult content that people can add into it is the allure of sexuality 
And yeah, and that, that's 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 what I was that's kind of what I was saying. That's a hard thing to kind of do sometimes. It can be, and I think leaning on only that type of material makes it really difficult because a the tabletop genre of game is dominated by male players it is female players are becoming more popular more included and that's amazing and welcomed yeah absolutely but most of this content was written in the 70s and 80s where it was highly seductive from beautiful women and succubuses who tried to eat your soul or change your mind and wiggle their way into you through lust yeah and Guys can only role-play that out so far before it gets weird. Right, and uh, you don't want to make your players uncomfortable because your waitress who's a succubus is rubbing up on his leg and you're looking at him that way. Right. (laughs) And, you know, as we include more adult themes, we have to think, what are these new adult themes? I mean to describe constantly going into hell as if you would for Dante's Inferno, that type of setting would be definitely considered adult. You have to deal with your ideas of the seven deadly sins. Especially if you lean on morality big time. Right. For sure. And that's that's really what I'm trying to get to is how do you take all of the broader spectrum of adult content and include it (coughs) In a game, because really, at the very heart of this, A, it's a game. We're generally grown adults playing a game where we're rolling dice and using our imagination. Yeah. (laughs) How how do we take it all super seriously? I don't think that there are many topics, regardless of how adult content it is, you can wrap as adult content into your pen and paper games unless you take the time to establish the fact that this is the type of game that we're playing. Yes, yes. You have to sit down with your group and explain and express what you're wanting to do. And if they're down to do it, it'd be easy for them to be focused and and lean into the role play of that and really try to get things to come out and be more established. Not just be like, well, I just want to hit goblins. I don't care about what the senator's doing to his daughter. Right. Very dark, that that topic right there in itself. Right. <laughs> and, and no definition to that. And already you feel the undertones. Right. Because that the senator doing to his daughter could be, you know, obviously sexual in nature, yes. which is disgusting. It doesn't in have its own to right. be, though. No, it could be anything from torture yep. to um, imprisonment, things where. Brainwashing. Absolutely. Yeah. And again, now those are the adult content themes that I like to see in games because it's not common it's not the main vein of fantasy but it's one of those popular topics that we all like to read about in dark fantasy or adult fantasy novels and i think being able to add adult content without being sexual in nature is highly important but like we said it depends on the entire party in the group you have to be able to agree upon it for a certain suspension of belief yes um i think if you can get the right balance and the right theme you could definitely have a very grim dark adult themed campaign going just don't add any dragons 
<laughs> going back to what we talked about in our last episode. Now, now here, here it is. And this is the first time we're going to do this. I know that we're only in episode two of our audio show here, but I want to pose a question to our listeners. And this list, this question will stand for as long as the episode is up, not including sex and nudity. I want to know what our listeners would do or how they would include other forms of adult content. And I want to know because we look for ways to push the boundaries in our fantasy stories. Yeah. And we rehash the same stories. And, and new experiences are such a thing that people want. You it, it definitely want to explore it. Absolutely. Definitely. So you guys, if you're listening and you've gotten this far, what do you include in your games that would be considered adult content that is not sex or nudity that's super important that is the it caveat is. it is i don't yeah. i don't want people to be super easy and be like yo i just include rape because we all talk about it and it's not what i'm looking for you know that's adult content yeah exactly and and the, the, the kind of leaning on that, that rape part there um if i remember correctly in pathfinder lore orcs are big into that they are that's that's how most half orcs even become a thing so you're making a character who's a half orc you have to think about your backstory if you want it connected in that regard and that can be very uncomfortable for some people it is and we look at some of the older games that have come out and there was a game i'm not gonna actually mention the name of the game Okay. All right. I'm going to describe it to you. There are people who will know exactly what I'm talking about right away. All right. But the entire pen and paper style game was all about rape, torture, murder, psychotic episodes. That's all it was. That was the entire game. You can only level up if you kill that girl over there. Whoa. That kind of game? <laughs> and worse. Oh, wow. And worse. Wow. And... I, I, I've not played the game. I've not wanted to play the game. I've read about it. I've, I've looked into it. It's incredibly disturbing. It's, it's grotesque, and it makes me queasy. I don't like the idea of fantasizing about a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that feels over, a little overboard. It is. And, again, I mean, it's, it's that adult content we're looking for. Right. But it is too much. There's a line that you have to cross to get there. And I think with what we do most of the times in fantasy games is we edge to what's considered a safe line in that content. And that's acceptable. That's okay. I'm good with that. But in earlier versions of Dungeons & Dragons, there were, I believe, third-party publishers who had rules on things like rape and torture. Really, actual mechanics for actual that Actual mechanics for That's it. insane to think about. Well, at a time when you looked at adult content, that was the epitome of adult content, was sex and nudity and forced actions. Wow. And I know that it is much broader than just that. I mean, yeah. let's, let's say you're working for a high clergyman clergyman excuse me and his missions continuously put you in 
perilous situations that you have to make moral choices. I mean, those moral choices aren't always walk away with your held held high or die. Sometimes it's do I save one person and five others die or do I save the five and kill the one? Right. You know, how do you how do you introduce those into your games and how do you avoid that just easy route of sex and nudity because i don't i don't want to include all that in my games no there are times where everybody says oh you're hanging out at a brothel or you're hanging out at an inn and prostitutes are bountiful i mean it's such a common thing that obviously you go down that route you don't have to play it out but that's light version of adult content yeah what are the other adult content material i think i think the the best way for you to pull it off is to really lean on the moral scope. Really lean on morality, lean on like the, the seven daily sins or ten commandments even, if you really want to go down that route. And basically challenge the players every single session, their alignment, mm-hmm. their their standing, and make them question and develop their characters in a way that you normally don't do it normally you don't do that kind of stuff no one ever combats and challenges your alignment in a game no one everyone forgets about it well and that note right there i'll i'd like to tell a story to you guys from a game that i had run not super recently but within the last two years where one of our players was a cleric and all well all the players were adults so there were no children at the table and the cleric is played by a friend who has years of experience in in game here and the character had to perform his oath or his devotions or what i right. remember all the rules for this cleric right now um and his alignment had to be good. So taking that into account, we set the party, not just the player, but the party on a path where he ran into a succubus. Now, he did fail his save with a succubus and her charisma, but in the rules, a succubus can give a kiss to a male party member okay and she grants him a boon the caveat is that he has to be willing so because succubuses are considered demons yeah she never states that she's a succubus she doesn't just come out and say it i mean why would you you wouldn't be like yo i'm a demon let's get this on right but she dropped all the right hints (laughs) she offered the kiss he accepted he didn't he didn't pick up what she was dropping down he didn't He, he wasn't picking up his uh, breadcrumbs he didn't and he nodded oh, no. off so he takes the kiss and it was willing which you have to look at the deity he was following would not have looked kindly upon that right because it was a it was a way to gain personal strength to do his mission versus not turning to his deity to yeah. gain the strength through faith i know that sounds very paladinish too but i would hold my clerics at a much higher standard yeah, I, I think well. I think clerics are more morally bound than a paladin when it comes to your alignment, I think. Right. And so further into the game, 
there was a point where he had he had already made a few mistakes you know between that kiss and this next event you know he he didn't make any real action to save anybody in a scenario um he he went through the motions and he played the game though he normally would minimal consequences for his okay. actions and eventually he gets to a blocked door and they figure out the puzzle in the door is to recite a prayer to a different god oh so like strike two sort of thing is coming up is what it feels like truthfully this was strike three oh (laughs) (laughs) so as the party gets to this door and they figure out the puzzle he is the first and only one to recite the prayer all right and actions have to have consequences and this is part of that adult content that we've been talking about for so long that everything he had done up to that point not saving the children not saving the other people who are in danger willingly kissing the succubus for his own further gain to pray to a different god willingly yeah to get into an area when anybody in the party could have done so to open the door severed his connection like permanently he could have atoned okay um it didn't shift his alignment his alignment didn't go to bad didn't go to neutral it just severed his deity's connection meaning that he's no longer a cleric who can heal because he doesn't have those abilities anymore right essentially he's a peasant now he's his cleric abilities anything that was tied to his domain was no longer available um you wash up scrub his his character lost it he didn't know what to do and the, the player said that that was the first time in any game in any scenario that he has ever had a situation where something like that happened and that's what I'm really trying. That's amazing. Trying to get to, and it's memorable. It's it one is. of those scenarios where it's adult content. It's a moral decision. He went all the way. He decided to go full send. He jumped in with both feet. Yeah. And there were consequences. And ultimately, what happened with his character was he couldn't figure out how to atone very quickly. He couldn't just turn around and atone. Right. There's a process to it. So he ended up. Had to do community service, and... He actually, he actually <laughs> ended up with the Madness Domain. Oh. And truthfully picked a new god that he just kind of fell into the lap for, went nuts, and truthfully, we were playing Pathfinder at the time, the Madness Domain is crazy as it is. I mean, you can really... Um, off base here, but you can you can really overpower your character oh, wow. in the Madness Domain. It's nuts. Um, insane it is and, and that's how that's how we went and that was light content in sexuality but heavy content in moral dilemma and choices yeah and he never once picked up what i was putting down he went through all the motions you know those are the kind of things that i like to see as a player exactly those are like those are the kind of things i like to do as a dm not every player likes that result. Like, if you tell your player, hey, you are going to move down in alignment if you keep doing this, yeah. they get mad at you. But it's their actions in your world. 
You know, they are not playing nice. Obviously, something's going to change. Yeah. And why shouldn't it? It, it? Yeah, it's consequences. That it, it's, it's what happened in a video game. You decide to go down this path. This is what happened. That's the end of the line. Right. You know, you can't just load back and choose differently. This is what you did. You made your bed lay in it. Right. And I think as you put it in a video game, there are so many video games where people understand if I kill everybody in the town, the merchants in the next town aren't going to want to interact with me. Right. Like, they understand, and they're okay with that. But when it comes to pen and paper games, they lose their minds. They cannot stand it. Well, from, from that story, I think there's a little lesson that you can totally take from it, is that if you ever communicate with someone and you get to anywhere in that kind of situation, kind of get farther than just, you know, acquaintance, pick up a mission, you should ask them, uh, are you a succubus? Because if you are, you got to tell me, right? That sounds so <laughs> are much... Are you a cop? Are you a cop? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so much like the bard who asks if he can seduce everybody because he gets bonuses if he can. <laughs> um, so uh... I think this is actually a good way to segue into, we're looking at how to add adult content into our games it it really also alludes to how popular the game has become yeah because now we can take all of this content from real life from other fantasy media and not just spread it with a small group of people it's such a large group of people the entire community worldwide is absolutely massive yeah they can all bring their own forms of content in. they can all bring their own flavors in how has that really affected the game itself you know, I think it, it affected it greatly. I think it only risen it higher. Um, it, Pathfinder has exploded. Paizo itself has exploded to such a big juggernaut. And they're, they're so welcoming of every creative participant in their process of making every single book. Like, there's bound, bound to be every little bit of anything that you want when you want to play the game adult content i'm pretty sure paizo already has all that figured out in a particular book um, i mean i've seen horror yeah well there's horror sure but i mean you, you had to look into 2e i feel because i think i haven't looked into 2e yet I mean, 1E um, publishing, they kind of stopped making their books now. They stopped printing them. And, yeah, they've they just been doing nothing but expanding their, 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 their repertoire, if you will. And I, I remember, as you said, that because they stopped publishing some of Paizo here, um, stopped publishing some of their first edition books, we were just looking online and we came across the Pathfinder Advanced Class Guide, brand new on eBay for $225. It's disgusting. I mean, these books were $60 when they came out. Yeah. We are looking at a majority of these prices. That was the highest one that we came up with. Everything else is in the realm of still reasonable, but we do come across a lot of amazing but i look at this pathfinder kingmaker number two rivers run red rpg book adventure path 32 1e rare 160 dollars man and you know like it's such it's, it's crazy thing about that 1e has been around as long as it has because someone that starts mm -hmm. in in tabletop role playing 
and kind of digs in this this community, all this stuff is going to be harder for them to attain. Now, I know that we wanted to talk a little bit about the popularity of this, but it brings up the other point that we wanted to talk about, the PDFs versus physical books. Right, yeah, it does, yeah. Now, it it is disappointing that the most popular pen and paper tabletop RPGs have such a high cost barrier. Yeah. It's prohibitive to a lot of people. They can't drop $60 on a book every time they want a new rule set. So people end up pirating books or they look at things like inexpensive PDFs. Right. And I love PDF books. Um, they're easy to access. I can put them on a hard drive. I can get them anywhere, store them on my phone, yeah. flip right through it. But when I'm at the table, I really like my physical books. Yeah, I don't, I don't like constantly scrolling at my phone because I feel like no one is, no one is thinking I'm paying attention. Right. Kind of like what we said in the last uh, episode. You got your face in the screen. Are you really paying attention to what's going on now? Right. Flipping through a book is different for some reason. I mean, it, you still don't look like you're paying attention, but you look like you're focused on the game. Exactly. And Who knows if I'm on Facebook? Oh, look at this <laughs> cat video. Right. You know? Right. It, yeah, I mean, I love physical copies. I'll love to get every single book that the Paizo's made and feel like, all right, we're going to play this. We got a rules question. Instead of going do 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 on D twenty PSFRD, I just pull out the book. Mm-hmm. It'd be it, I think that's so much better to do, and yet again, it's just easier to find if it's a PDF or on a website on your phone. Right, and I, uh, I chapter uh, one sixty eight is the uh, is the uh, item in question here, but on the forum here it says that there's an errata to it. It's not updated on this physical piece of paper, as you can see. Right, <laughs> right. It's such a it's a I don't know. I'm torn by it. I'm just completely torn by it. I, I get it. And I think I think what we end up seeing here, and I also like the idea, is that when games start to get super expensive, I think Paizo really nailed this on the head. They released for first edition their pocket edition books, yes. which are much smaller. They're soft cover. They're $20 a pop. $20 for a rule set is a heck of a lot cheaper than the initial 40 to 60 bucks. Right. It's a lot easier to get your hands on. And not to mention, they're much more portable. Now, how, how much smaller are they? Still easy to read, I'm assuming, right? They're still definitely easy to read. Um, Do they cut out a lot of the artwork to fill in the space for words? I really haven't noticed. It feels like they just shrunk the book. Wow, that's pretty amazing. It is. I, I really don't know what the biggest difference is between the two. It just honestly looks like and feels like they're smaller. I haven't gone through any book that is word for word, particularly because I won't necessarily rebuy a book just because it's pocket edition. Right. You know, if I have a player's handbook, that's my player's handbook. I don't get a different one right. because I have one. Um, which, again, I mean, sometimes you should because my player's handbook is the first edition player's handbook, the first printing edition. And sometimes they're on sixth printing edition, and there's been yep. 40 erratas in between. Exactly. Yeah, kind of what I was saying. The erratas does make it a bit of a tricky thing to get physical copies. Absolutely. Because you could be going off this rule that's now been re-updated and rebalanced, and you wouldn't know unless you just looked it up. Absolutely. So I know um, there's some people that have sticky notes on like their first printing books. They have mm -hmm. sticky notes of, of corrections that they've 
come across so mm-hmm. they know when they look at it again right especially great if idea especially if they're rules that they have to utilize frequently yeah um for sure so honestly i think pdfs are a super awesome resource if that's how you have to get into the game you get into the game that way and i know that we've talked a lot about pathfinder or dungeons and dragons but there are other game systems that are super expansive highly developed and way less expensive i mean savage worlds for example that is 10 or 20 dollars for the entire deluxe core rule set oh wow and it includes absolutely everything that you need to play the game rules wise and I love the Savage Worlds game system. It's different than D20. It's a little easier to pick up certain things, but if you're super ingrained with D20 system, it's super steep learning curve as okay. you're trying to equate the two. And you I, can't do that. I remember you trying to translate some Savage Worlds to a campaign that we were doing. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what you were doing. So, yeah, I mean... Savage Worlds, it, you said, is not a D20 system? Not fully a D20 system. I okay. think you have a few, but in, it's been so long since I've looked at Savage Worlds. Definitely worth looking into it if you're a first-time player uh, because of the price. If that's something that you're into, definitely look them up, uh, Savage Worlds. Yeah, and and again, if, if you're not on board with spending a lot of money, you can actually check out uh, Drive Through RPG. Again, yeah. not, not a sponsor here, but just a shout-out. They have search options where you can look for free role-playing games. And they come... Some of them are complete. Other ones are essentially watered-down beta editions. Ah, uh, okay. And other, other ones are entire campaign modules and whatnot. And as you read through them, if you don't have such an ingrained habit for one system it's not too hard to pick up another right um, it's it's generally as much as i love other systems it's hard for me because i'm so used to d20 systems and d20 systems while my favorite i love d6 systems i like dice pool systems uh shadow run <laughs> yeah that's one of the ones i love to play it's not bad it's fun the setting in fact you can get over the setting the setting is all flavor it really is the rules because you're so used to one, it's hard because you always want to translate them to what you know. Right. He moved out of my threatened square. I get tag opportunity. That's the other game. We don't have that in this. What? Right. <laughs> right. Like, oh, we just we stripped that down because it's unnecessary. How dare you? <laughs> right. Um, so as, as we talk about the cost here in these games, um, how about best practices for the physical items on the table? It's another expenditure for a new time or first time player. Oh, now I need to go get minis. And if you really want to go the extra mile, I need to go get paint and paint the minis. Some people see that as a daunting, a, a very daunting task. You know, it reminds me of a joke about Warhammer 40k, and that's it's called Warhammer 40k because it costs forty thousand to get started. <laughs> uh... But. We we really so huge. It is, and we have to think about it. If you're looking at buying the books, that's your initial cost. Yes, that's your investment. But then, obviously, you have your dice. You could use a free dice roller, which is fine. Yeah, you could. A lot of people don't like that because it feels like you can just fudge your dice really simply. Very simply. Um, so dice and dice range in price depending on what you're going to buy. You mentioned right. miniatures, and miniature the price of miniatures has gone up so much i remember 
buying 300 miniatures off of eBay and one D&D adventure miniature lot. Somebody was getting rid of their collection. Oh, wow. It cost me 40 bucks. That is not bad at all. No. That's amazing. <laughs> no, considering that most places are now 10 miniatures, 40 bucks, and it's a bidding war. Right. And now I think one of the easiest ways and one of the best ways to do it is give your players miniatures or access to miniatures. Give your big bad evil guys a miniature and use paper or cardboard tokens yeah. For all the I feel for like, like grunts and little things that really is inconsequential, mm-hmm. definitely have cheap little stand-ins. Absolutely. Even if that means you spent $10 getting a bag of one-inch wood uh, tokens. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. easily done that way. Um, I like to use Starburst because you can keep what you kill. Yeah. Yeah, we did, we did a campaign one time. Uh, we were fighting... I call them Tootsie Wolves because we're fighting wolves, but they're Tootsie Rolls. Mm-hmm. And that, that was very satisfying, actually. Like, it, I got them. Give me that. Nom, it, nom, 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 nom. It, it was. And, I mean, what do we look at for best practices then? I mean, we've already mentioned in another episode that we really like it when a DM puts so much effort into creating a physical copy of the imaginary world. Right. Putting their, their time and effort... Uh, uh, producing their passion into a physical form for their players is a huge thing. Yeah, and while it's nothing wrong to aspire to, that should not be the standard. No, it should not be. It should be required to do it. Right. So you you like to mention theater of the mind. Yes. I mean, do you need a battle mat? Not necessarily. I mean, there are game systems where you don't actually need a battle mat at all. Um, I know... For instance, every time I've played Mutants and Masterminds, we don't need battle mats. Don't need them. Because movement is consequential. I'm sorry, not consequential. It's movement is essentially metaphysical. Yep. The attacks are done in a way where you're either going to really essentially be successful or not. And it's not, it's going to take you six rounds to get there. I mean, super speed doesn't work like that. Their, their attack, I'm not sorry, not their attack, but their action economy doesn't work the same way as your D20 systems. Yep. Uh, like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. Or like, yeah, or like 2E, the three action economy. Right. So, we, we don't need the battle mat. We don't need advanced miniatures, tokens of any kind, coins, washers, Tootsie Rolls, Starbursts, using your dice. Yeah, it it is not needed. It's just preference. Right. So truthfully, if you guys or anybody is a new player who's listening and you're concerned about getting something on the table, it doesn't matter what it is. Seriously, the game is not supposed to be a chore. It doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah, it's not a job. It's not not like a uh, stock market where you constantly have to put money in here, take money out of there, blah, 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 blah. It's not right. like that at all. Right. Use your Lego guys. Use yeah. old toys. Buy things from the dollar store if you want physical physical products. Right. You don't have to invest if you can't. Do not feel like you need to. And thinking about this conversation, um, it reminds me of a, of a conversation I was checking out through one of those Facebook groups Somebody was asking about the atmosphere for professional paid dungeon masters. 
Oh, to run like uh, Pathfinder scenarios or something like that? Or even homebrew worlds. Essentially, okay. parties pay for a dungeon master to come in and run a game. That's crazy thing. A group of people will pay another guy to run a game for them. I absolutely would, honestly. It takes so much time and effort. <laughs> if, 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 if I had a group that paid me, I would definitely do more to keep that going for sure. Right. But a lot of the comments were about how it's not worth it unless you're bringing a who, uh, critical role. Matt, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Mercer. Yeah, unless yeah. you're bringing a Matt Mercer level of commitment to it. And I'm a professional voice actor. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I don't think that's 100% necessary no, it's to not. have to bring that level, especially if you want to branch out into being a professional and paid dungeon master. But I do believe that putting that pressure and stigma on it, like you have to obtain this level of quality to be any right. good, is harmful to the community as a whole. Yeah, even when you go down to uh, the role-playing aspect, you are not needed, and or required, I should say, to have an accent, no. have a funny voice, to to do anything other than, my character says this. Right. That's all you really need to do. Right, and it's, it's hard to stay in character voice yeah. all the time in game. It's hard for a DM to create a different voice for every character. I'm Torvald the Gnome. <laughs> I remember him. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where if you want to play the game, play the game. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the funnest and most entertaining conversations that that come up at this point is the rules. Your rules are a guideline. There yes. there are entire rule books that can be completely ignored because they don't fit your story. Exactly. You, so interchangeable. You can ignore whatever you want to do what you want to happen. Right. Yeah. As long as you're not really railroading. We'll talk about that in a different episode, I think. We'll, we'll <laughs> get there. <laughs> but the idea here is that for new players, it can be cost prohibitive. And I disagree with that. I think PDFs are a great way to go using yeah. the D20 PSRD SRDs, because yeah, D twenty PFSRD is for Pathfinder, and the D twenty SRD I think is three five. I think so. I think it's five E SRD or something for fifth ed. Um, but there's always a different outlet. You don't have to empty out your wallet to play this to to enjoy this hobby. Right, and we're not condoning pirating. No, we're saying look for the options that are available because there are plenty of things that yeah. are online that are endorsed by these manufacturers and websites and updated with erratas that is very important as well yeah which i don't pay much attention to most times i mean usually it's already like put in and changed so i really don't notice it truthfully if i have to figure out an errata change i don't even worry it's about like, it you're like you know what here's my errata right, right. <laughs> exactly I'll, I'll just completely ignore all that so all right guys i know that we kind of rambled on a little bit and we generally try not to but this is going to take us to the end of the show remember you can always find us at epictablegames.com to join the growing community start a play by post game you can always find us on Facebook at Epic Table Games to join the conversation there or our public Facebook group at Epic Table Games. We look forward to seeing you there. Yes, likewise, we, we look forward to hearing from you. We look forward to seeing you on our website and on the forums. 
And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Absolutely. You guys have a good night. And remember to answer our question from earlier in the episode. Besides sex and nudity, what kind of content is considered adult that you add into games? See ya.